Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tip Show. Show. A show designed to assist man in his quest to succeed on Pinterest. If you have interests in the content you want to share, content you want your clients to see, learn ways to grow and succeed in this unique and exciting world, one man will assist you on your journey. To become a pinner and grow your presence online, men and women can share in the success. And here to show you how is your host, is your host Jeff C. Adding testosterone, one pin at a time. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Manly Pinterest Tips Podcast. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. I'm very excited to be talking today all about Pinterest tactics. But first, it's finally here. My eight-week Pinterest and visual marketing group training classes are now open for enrollment. If you want to take your Pinterest and visual marketing to the next level, then you need to enroll now. Classes are filling up quickly, so go to manlypinteresttips.com forward slash training to enroll today. I'm very excited to have Daniel Maloney back on the show with me today. Daniel is an internet entrepreneur who has spent his career building consumer internet businesses that connect consumers to each other and to brands more effectively. Currently, Danny is CEO and co-founder of Tailwind, the world's leading visual marketing platform. Tailwind is currently helping over 70,000 leading brands and agencies build a highly engaged presence on today's hottest social networks. Prior to Tailwind, Danny co-founded Bridesview.com, an online community that enables engaged couples to visually plan and style their weddings. He incubated some seriously cool products as head of the new initiative team at YouTube and Google Maps Local, served as general manager of AOL's video business as they rebuilt it from number 13 to number 2 in U.S. online video, and built a couple other awesome startups as well. Now this interview that I did with Daniel was a live show where the audience is able to interact with myself, guests, and each other. If you'd like to be a part of one of our live shows, make sure to head on over to manlypinteresttips.com and join our email community to find out when our next live show is. Come join us where you can ask your own questions during the show. Whenever I talk to Daniel, I always learn some new techniques and wind up tweaking my Pinterest tactics for my account and my clients. He really can peel back the layers and get to what works best on Pinterest. So let's jump right into my conversation with Daniel Maloney. He knows his stuff, everybody. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us today. Sure, Jeff. My pleasure. And I love that you grew a beard overnight. That just makes it really, really cool. So we'll see it how looks long so you can authentic, last. right? <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing yeah. about three questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. So as I'm asking, as I'm talking with Daniel today, uh, if you have any questions in the live audience, make sure that you ask your questions by hitting forward slash Q, and that way I can see it a little bit better in the stream, and we'll try to get to them today during the show. So d- we kind of went over some of your story in the bio, but tell us how you decided to build a pl- uh, this, this platform that kind of complements Pinterest. Sure. I mean, the long and short of it is we were really our own first users. So my co-founder, Alec, and I were building a platform that was in the bridal industry and had lots of really good, interesting visual content. Um, And all of a sudden, this little site called Pinterest started driving more traffic to us week after week after week. So, yeah, this was like back before Pinterest had a million users, right? Today, there's over 100 million monthly active. So it's a a very different time. but we were really using the data that we gathered initially to optimize our own content. 
and that strategy really worked. It worked quite well. Um, and we realized that, you know, this was a big opportunity, not just for ourselves, but really for anyone who was exploring the space of visual marketing and who wanted to learn how to do it well and how to how to build that that field, and that profession. Um, so, you know, obviously, fast forwarding a few years, visual marketing has exploded. Um, marketing and digital and social in general have continued exploding. So um, I looked on LinkedIn earlier and there's like over 34 million people now who consider themselves marketers, right? Wow. Um, and it looks like about two thirds of those have less than uh, two or three years of experience in the marketing field, right? So there are a ton of new marketers of all different types. And um, our mission is to make world-class marketing easy for everyone. So we want to help all of them learn to be great marketers and to build their businesses so that they can achieve their own goals. Very, very cool. So how long is... The beard. Okay. (laughs) That is a little rough to... Now you know how I have to live. Um, I have much respect for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Try eating some soup. Um, uh, So how long has Tailwind been around? Actually, how long has the company been around? Uh, we actually just celebrated our fourth birthday not too long ago. Um, very, very cool. So, yeah, it's uh, it's flown by. Um, frankly, we were really early to the market. So, looking back at it, it feels like the first year to year and a half we were really kind of waiting for the market to develop and get started. Um, and in that time, the type of customer, the type of member, changed very rapidly. Um, but today, I would say, you know, we're really at the point where um, we're reaching broad adoption, right? Like starting to enter the early majority phase, if you will, on the S curve, right? So, um, you know, it's been really exciting to to watch. Very, very cool. So you mentioned in a recent blog post that was uh, on Tailwind, and I think uh, uh, Melissa may drop that in the, she's feel, feel free to drop those in the, in the comments, but um, how many, you mentioned how many companies and bloggers um overlook Pinterest when they're optimizing their content. And so what did you mean by when they they're missing out by not optimizing their content? Yeah, I mean, there's there's really multiple ways that that happens. So one, I will drop a link in because Melissa created um, these really awesome content calendars that help you think about what to be pinning and what to be sharing. at different times of the year. Cool. Um, but it starts as early as planning your content, right? Like, are you actually building the right type of content that's going to succeed on Pinterest and visual platforms? Um, from there, are you actually creating pinnable images and are you creating high quality images to go with your content? Um, a lot of, I mean, you'd be amazed how many sites still don't create pinnable images with their posts, even if the post could be a great fit for the Pinterest audience. So, you know, an easy hack there that a number of us do, including, you know, a tailwind is if, you know, include the pinnable image at the bottom of the article. So at least when someone activates their extension, they're going to see the pinnable image there to share. Right. Um, another, big kind of fatal flaw is not using rich pins. Um, So not providing certain metadata or information within your content that's going to make it easier to surface on Pinterest. Um, And even on the distribution side, right? Like a lot of people have been distributing their content the same way for years, and they haven't thought about building new distribution channels and new relationships that fit the newer platforms and fit Pinterest in particular. So, you know, it, it's really throughout the entire content life cycle that there are optimizations to be made. Gotcha. That's one thing I know that uh, I know Lisa's in the audience and we've talked about this before is it's so frustrating. Even some of the big, uh, since I'm in the social media kind of space, even the big social media 
uh, places, they don't have a pinnable image, and they may even have an article on Pinterest, and there's yeah. no pinnable image in it, and it drives me nuts. And so, yeah, that's an easy fix. And like like you said, and we do the same thing at Social Media Examiner. We put the pinnable image at the bottom of the article. So like you said, when people click on that, they can they can share it. So that's those are very, very good points. Um, you also mentioned in that article how important uh, credibility is on Pinterest. So how in the world does Pinterest like rank your credibility? Sure. I mean, there are actually multiple types of credibility or trust scores um, to be aware of. But, you know, at a high level um, in the article, so I guess I should share that link to um, for reference. Okay, great. Awesome. Um, So um, we kind of broke it down into four main components there, right? So one is the quality of the pin itself. And so the core question that Pinterest is really, you know, thinking there is, is this a great piece of content? Um, that we should be showing people, right? Like that's the easy way to think about it. When it comes to a broader look, then you might also look at the domain or the website that that the content's coming from. So is this a domain that we trust to consistently put out high quality content that pinners react positively to? A third signal is the quality of the pinner themselves, right? So if you think about backlinks and and authority versus non-authority driving backlinks in the search world, um, you know, it meant a lot more in search to get a link from the Wall Street Journal than it did to get a link from your friend's website, right? right? In in most cases, depending on who your friend is. Um, But, you know, there's a similar type of concept there where... um, Pinners can establish themselves as high quality pinners who both create and curate great quality content over time. And if they do that, then they actually are going to lend more credibility to a piece of content in a domain than someone else would. So it's a similar type of concept implemented differently. Um, And the fourth component is topical relevance. So not just is this a good piece of content, um, is it a relevant piece of content, but in what context is it relevant? Mm -hmm. Um, Do we show it to someone who is looking for chocolate chip cookie recipes and interested in that? Or do we show it to someone who's looking to figure out when to plant their spring garden, right? Like two completely different contexts and different content is going to resonate with that user at different times. so there's multiple elements to it, but but really, as you're creating your strategy, you want to be thinking about all of those and thinking about this, not just on a pin by pin basis, but a long term game, right? How do I increase my trust scores? How do I increase my credibility over time? Very, very cool. So I, I preach this a lot, and I think this kind of falls into the credibility that Pinterest would look at is I don't I don't. I always check my pins. So I always check the links and make sure they're not going to spam or, or anything. Even if it's a pretty pin, I'm always checking that. And also, I usually don't share anything that's over a year old because, you know, I always say that uh, 2002 flip phone statistics aren't really going to help my audience. You know, it doesn't really matter that stuff anymore. And so it's not it's not valuable. Even if it's a pretty image, um, if it's not relevant data, then why am I sharing it to my audience? Is that, does that kind of what you're talking about when you're talking about credibility a little bit? Yeah. Okay. I think it is. I think the exact time frame that's relevant will vary vastly depending on the type of content. Right. So some content really is evergreen um, and some content is very short lived. Right. right. So right. like you said, you know, 2012 stats usually are not going to be all that relevant right. unless you're creating a historical view of an industry or something. Right. 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 Um, but that's not, that's not a common use case, I would say, on, on Pinterest. Right. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing is, and we kind of jumped ahead maybe a little bit, but uh, why this is important is because of this thing called 
uh, if so, like if you haven't been on Pinterest and you're jumping into the conversation, you're going to be, what is he talking about? I thought we saw our pins chronological. Why are we worried? Um, there's this thing called the Pinterest smart feed. Can you give us kind of a broad overview of what this smart feed that all us pinners talk about all the time? <laughs> yeah. And the way I like to explain it, especially for people who are newer to Pinterest or maybe not familiar with it at all, is, you know, imagine that you sat down with your local newspaper and as you started reading page one, the other articles on the page started reordering themselves to become more relevant to you, right? So articles from page six or section B might jump onto the front page as this magic newspaper learned what you're interested in, right? So mm -hmm. like, that's the analogy. The smart feed is kind of trying to do that same thing, right? So it's trying to learn over time based on a number of different signals, what you personally as a pinner are interested in and what topic is, or, or what content is gonna be most relevant to you at any point in time. Um, the other important concept I think to, to realize there is that because different signals are used, different types of content are also combined to create the smart feed, right? So a lot of people think for any type of social platform, followers, 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 followers. All I need to do is grow my followers and I'll right. become wealthy and successful and, and right. brilliant. Um, that's really not the case on Pinterest because sure, some of the content that a pinner sees is gonna be driven by who they follow or which interests they follow, for example. It's not just people, it could be boards. Um, but there's other types of content such as content that's related to other content you've pinned or content that's been suggested by Pinterest because they believe this is something that would interest you. Um, and of course, promoted pins as well fit into the smart feed also. So, um, when someone lands on their homepage, you have to realize they're seeing a broader scope of content than just based on who they're following. Um, and that's really a huge innovation, uh, not only for Pinterest, but sort of for the web in general. Gotcha. So as marketers, what tactics can we use to like work with the smart feed instead of, you know, everybody hates anything new. And so how can we use it to you know work with it and not against it? Yeah, so I think in the long run, Pinterest is going to reward high quality marketers through the smart feed. And so what do I mean by high quality marketers? Um, first and foremost, they're trying to add value for a specific audience. Um, they focus on creating and curating high quality content, right? Like that in itself, it's gonna drive your trust scores, which in turn is gonna help your content show more often. So you're gonna gain more authority within the audience. Um, and at the same time, you wanna stay away from negative practices, right? Don't spam, don't excessively pin, don't excessively repeat content, which is something that you know certain audiences are really doing now and hurting themselves. Mm. Um, don't automate your pinning, right? Like that's not in the spirit of the community. It is easily detectable, right? Um, you've got to think about long-term organic strategies that create real engagement because there's really no shortcut around that, right? I mean, it, it's right. too smart of a system um, to cheat, right? Um, and, and, you know, I think in particular, I do want to touch on sort of the reuse of content because it's a question we get asked pretty often. Um, I believe that I'm beginning to see strong evidence that reusing content excessively diminishes performance over time. Um, it's not necessarily going to be evident immediately because you know most performance on Pinterest happens over time, right? Pins right, right. can go viral over weeks or months. So you need a pretty long history of data to be able to tell what's working and what's not. Um, but you know there there are people out there who kind of promote putting everything on autopilot and just dumping content in and letting it run 
it's not a successful long-term strategy, right? I mean, it's sort of like, think back to the days of the Facebook bots that let you get free followers or buy right, followers, right. right? It sounded great when, you know, the algorithm wasn't there and then the algorithm kicked in and all of a sudden having a bunch of inactive followers you know, deeply penalized you and made it so that none of your posts would show in the newsfeed. So a lot of accounts never recovered from that. Um, And I think, you know, it's something to be aware of, right? You always want to align yourself with good long-term strategies. Gotcha. Well, here's a question that that brings up when you were talking, I was thinking, so, you know, and I use Tailwind Analytics. So if I see an older pin that's doing really well, it's got a lot of repins, you know, I'm seeing it's got a a ton of repins. Should I go ahead and repin that or that... Uh, is that bad practice for, you know, because of this this I, thing you're thinking about? I think in moderation it's fine, okay. right? But it's I, I think it's more a policy of when taken to a, to excess, right? So um, if you think about Pinterest trying to surface the best, most relevant content that someone is going to engage with, I mean, maybe a good parallel to think of is TV shows, right? I mean is the episode of Seinfeld, as great as that show was, as entertaining the 11th time you see it as the, the first time? Right. Right. It, it's probably not. Um, and I love Seinfeld. And, I, you know, I'll still say that. Right. So <laughs> I think there's uh, there's a similar dynamic there that audiences can burn out on content. Um, and you got to be careful not to to overstep that line. Gotcha. That's a good point. Good point. Now, and you touch on it a little bit here, but I want to kind of circle back a little bit. In, the, in another recent article about the smart feed, you mentioned uh, pinner uh, quality, and that mm-hmm. affects ranking. So, so is Pinterest looking at me and seeing, okay, Jeff's pinning good stuff, or he's pinning stuff that nobody's looking at, or you know, he's only got one repin on one of his blog articles, and so I'm not going to show it to anybody. So, how do how does that pinner quality really work? Yeah, so I, I think you're getting at a lot of the right signals that are likely impacting that, right? Okay. So um, in general, when Jeff pins, do people respond? And again, who responds, right? So it's not all people who are going to be interested in a specific type of content, but are you the best source of content possible for a given audience, right? I mean, that becomes a very, very powerful position to be in. Um so I would think of it along those lines. And again, you know, like think of the signals that could be obvious signs of bad behavior, right? So things like spam, things like repeating um, content excessively, things like excessively deleting pins, right? Like, mm. it, you know, if I were building algorithms uh, for this, these are signals I would personally look at to say, okay, something might you know, something not right might be going on with this account, right? Um, maybe we should trust it a little bit less than something else, right? Um, but again, it's it, it, those actions I think are fine in moderation and when they're done authentically, uh, but it, it's when taken to excess that they can right. really hurt your, your okay. quality. Just kind, of, kind of throw a flag up. Okay, that's good. Um, and you were one of the only people I've, I've read for a while who said who had a positive thing to say about the smart feed. But you said that uh, in the long run, the Pinterest smart feed will give marketers an edge. So can you kind of explain what you meant by that? Because most people I've read like, we hate it, take it back. We want our old stuff back. So wh- how is it going to help us? Right. Well, and I think I totally understand that response, right? Because I've been on Pinterest from very early days also, and I have my personal use cases and I have, you know, and then there's professional use cases and business use cases. Excuse me. Now, thinking from a marketer's perspective, right? Like ultimately you want to reach as large of a high quality audience for your content as possible. And so, you know, is the smart feed going to be perfect? And is it going to show you exactly the right pin every time? Probably 
probably not, but it's going to keep improving over time and the quality will keep improving over time. And so if that's happening for you, think about those 100 million plus monthly active users, right? So now you can imagine the 100 million users are all over time seeing increasingly, increasingly relevant content that they're likely to engage with, that they're likely to take actions on downstream, whether that's subscribing to an email newsletter or buying a product you know, directly online. Right. Um, so the average value of a referral from Pinterest only increases over time and the actual you know engagement rate should increase over time as well so there's more net value being created for marketers the pie is growing and the good marketers who create great content who participate authentically who build smart strategies they're the ones who are going to share to a greater extent in that growth of the pie right so that's okay. what i mean by i think the smart fee is, is going to be a very good thing for for quality marketers over time gotcha and we and we keep saying this you know making great content making great content what do we mean by great content it's not just a picture there's a little bit more that goes into that right yeah there definitely is um and so content on pinterest in particular can be a little bit complicated um and i, I don't want to scare anyone away by saying that but um there are multiple facets you need to think about and where i actually start thinking about a great pin is the page that the pin relates to or lives on or that the image lives on right that page needs to be useful and relevant and high quality in and of itself or else whatever traffic it drives is going to be useless right so right. first and foremost think about that page what keywords and phrases do you need to use on it in order to make it relevant and discoverable um, what type of content should be on that page be optimally useful for the specific person that you're targeting right then you can start thinking about things like what's the perfect image to draw in that audience and maybe even testing their images mm -hmm. right um, how do i tastefully brand my company or, or myself right. um, in my pins right so it's not going to be an obnoxious watermark that takes over the entire image right. it might be a subtle one or maybe your product or logo is somewhere in the background of the pin as opposed to the foreground so it doesn't feel as promotional but the message still gets across over time um, and then of course you have to think about the actual description of the pin right so are you using the right terms or in order to let pinterest know what this pin is about um, although, you know, they'll also get signals there from what board it goes to and what's on the source page and so forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, but on top of that, are you adding value in the description itself, right? So an example of that might be highlighting why you want to read this article and why it's interesting, not just what it's about, mm -hmm. right? Or how can this product be used, right? Which is something that could be reinforced in the image as well by showing a product in context as opposed to just an image of a product. Although there are some cases where just an image of a product, you know, without distraction right. Is, right. is appropriate. Um, but you want to think about that entire picture coming together. And then, of course, pinning it to relevant boards, distributing it to people who have relevant audiences. Um, you know, those are really important elements as well. Cool. Uh, you mentioned some of those examples of uh, somebody who has somebody who has, I think, a really tasteful watermark is like Peg Fitzpatrick. She's got a little uh, circle mm -hmm. with a little peg in there, and she's actually makes pins for some of those places that don't have uh, good pinnable images. She'll make her she'll laugh up one one real quick and put a little watermark on there, and, and it works great. And Elisa Meredith is a great. Uh, she does a really good job of testing for her clients what um, what images work best, and then really 
going all gung ho with promoted pins or whatever uh, f- to to drive traffic using that pin. So yeah, those were were great ideas. Um, one of the things that I know there's been a lot of talk about and a lot of people complaining about is group boards. They're not performing mm-hmm. like they used to. So what uh, kind of have you found with this whole group board thing? Yeah. So uh, the first thing I'll say is, you know, we have seen declining group board performance relative to non-group boards over time. Um, and and it's a long-term trend. It's not a sudden trend. It's been happening for, for quite a while. I think the interesting question is why. Um, and I'm not convinced that this is a big conspiracy theory. <laughs> I, I don't think Pinterest is saying we want to kill group boards or we're going to discount group boards necessarily. But when we look at the characteristics of group boards, we see negative trends compared to what people do on boards that they own, right? In, in their own real estate, so to speak. So, um, you know, one type of practice that we hear often is, oh yeah, I use group boards to dump my content on, or to, or I use group boards to share content from other people because I don't want to mess up my own boards, right? Or like, right. you know, there, there are all different variations of that. But there's a sentiment that it's more acceptable from many users, I mean, I won't, this isn't everyone, of course, but it's more acceptable, so to speak, to share low quality content on group boards. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably one thing that's negatively hurting those boards when it comes to the algorithm. So if you do manage group boards, you probably want to be very careful about the quality of content and and managing that community, so to speak. Um, the second thing is uh, people repeat content much more often on group boards, which I believe is probably coming or already a negative signal about the quality of a board. Um, and so, you know, when there's a lot of redundant content on a board, it starts to look suspicious. Uh, so I think that's another thing, and especially because, you know, a lot of people who do automate pinning often automate pinning onto group boards. I think that phenomenon has probably been exacerbated in the last year or two. Um, a third thing is a lot of the big group boards that that gained their followers years ago, um, that follower audience might not be completely fresh, right? Like some of those people might not use Pinterest anymore, or they've stopped using it for a period and they'll come back later, or their interests have changed and they're not into that topic of that group board anymore, right? So like all of those things could be algorithmically hurting group boards. The last one probably worth mentioning is people tend not to promote pins that are on group boards. So if you think about, you know, boards gaining in traction and, and being trust and so forth over over time or even individual pins on boards, um, you know, promoted pins is a great way to drive a lot of engagement and a lot of traffic on specific content. But, you know, it, it almost automatically puts group boards at a disadvantage because people want to promote stuff on their own real estate, right. you know, if they're putting down hard-earned cash to do it. Right, right. right. So do you think that um, if you have a group board on on your Pinterest account and will that impact your pinner quality if they're going to if they're driving, you know, that kind of stuff down? Would that affect your quality at all? Do you know? Um, I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't know for certain and I don't want to speculate. Sure. Um, I don't know how that would be viewed. And it's possible that it would be viewed differently 
if you own the board versus if you're just a collaborator on the board. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly don't know for sure. Yeah, I was just wondering because I know a lot of people, I've seen some accounts that have more group boards than they do actually, you know, their own boards. And I was like, yep. I wonder how that's going to work. So, okay, that's, that's well, very good. It, and I think that's actually brings up a broader point, which is, you know, a lot of the pinners who are really kind of, you know, flummoxed over the decline over boards built strategies that were very highly dependent on group boards mm-hmm. or entirely dependent on group boards. Right. And so they didn't actually take the opportunity to build their own real estate and build the value of that real estate over time. Um, and so, you know, when you do that, that's a risk, right? right? Because you can't control what happens with that group board. You can't control who else is pinning to it or what they're pinning. And so, you know, I think what, what this is all calling to light is that you can't rely on group boards as the core of your strategy. If your strategy doesn't work without them, change your strategy, right? Is, is sort of how I would think about it. Gotcha. That's, that's a very good point. So you, so maybe not a strategy built on group boards, but you, do you think it's still okay to participate and be a part of group boards just for like engagement and like sharing among peers kind of a thing? Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think people need to stop participating in them. I think they can be incredibly helpful, especially if you're newer to Pinterest um, and you're just starting out and you're looking for inspiration. Um, I think it can be very helpful on a personal level for, you know, truly collaborative use cases, which is what they were designed for. Right. Um, but again, be authentic, be real, right? Like don't, don't just push stuff at people. Right. Think about adding value first and foremost. That's great. That's great advice. Okay, so Tailwind has this, and we if most people here in the my audience, I know this, but they, they have a great scheduling tool, and I use it every day for myself and my clients. So, and you mentioned before, and we were talking that um, you know scheduling too much may may affect your your quality, or pushing out too much content might affect your quality. So, does scheduling pins? And I know you get this question all the time. Does <laughs> scheduling pins help or hurt your listings in the smart feed? It, it, just the fact that a pin is scheduled, if it's scheduled through an official marketing developer partner, it's not going to hurt or help okay. I, in either way, right? So simply the fact that it's scheduled is not going to make the difference. What does make the difference is sort of your strategy and how you go about scheduling and how you go about posting. So I'm sharing a link over in the side. It's the list of the marketing developer partners. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tailwind is one of them, but there are many others as well. Um, you don't have to use us, you know, of course we'd love it if you do, right. but you know, I would stick with a marketing developer partner personally, um, not only because that's self-promotional, but because, you know, there's a reason why these organizations are partners, right? Um, their business practices have been reviewed. Their product has been reviewed for quality. Um, they've proven that they can handle, you know, customer inquiries well and, and provide good service, right? So those things are really important. Um, you know, that said, getting back to sort of the scheduling question, I think where a lot of people um, or sort of where those rumors come from um, is that people sometimes abuse the ability to schedule, right? right? So if pinning a thousand pins an hour by hand is a bad strategy, it's still a bad strategy if you schedule a thousand pins an hour. And of course, right. that's that's an extreme right. you know, example. But, you know, you still want to be instituting quality strategies and using scheduling to make it easier and to save you time. Um, 
the other thing I would say is that strategy or sorry, scheduling, if implemented correctly, um, can actually help improve your performance. So, you know, we track, for instance, the performance of our members pins over time. And, you know, when we last ran the numbers, I think it was about a month ago, a month and a half ago, you know, the early pins scheduled through Tailwind now have four times the average engagement rate of uh, the the Pinterest wide average that Pinterest has stated, wow. um, and I think there are a few reasons for that. So one is you know smart scheduling is built into the product, which is you know providing recommended times to boost performance, which can have algorithmic benefits down downstream. Um, the second is content recommendations. So like we actually help people find better content um, and find good content if they don't know where to find content in the first place. Um, the other thing is having access to the data that you need to optimize your strategy over time. So I think some of it is not necessarily what we do, but what our members do, and we just help empower them to do it. Gotcha. Um, so there are very positive things, um, you know, that, 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 platforms can enable um but you know scheduling itself is in my mind a very small piece of it gotcha so when and when you the best practices for scheduling pins and you kind of mentioned it a little bit but um when you i know and tailwind does this it gives you the recommended times to to uh schedule and the be the best times how often should i go back and review that i mean does that change over time as my account grows and my and new people follow me should i go back and wipe those out and then find the best times to schedule again or what's kind of the best practices for doing that it, it does change over time um okay. and uh, i'll be honest i don't have a hard rule of thumb as to how often you should evaluate it okay um but i will say that's probably something we should solve for you frankly um, we should make recommendations of which time slots to replace or kill um, and w we already do update the recommendations over time um, so as more data comes in you're going to get new recommendations so you can evolve your schedule but the problem is again you know like if you don't want to just keep increasing the number of pins right. you've been how do you know what to take away and i i think that's I'll take that as a feature request. Okay, cool. Um, well, I just honest, honest yeah. <laughs> I, I I know I haven't gone and done that, and I probably need to. That's what when you were talking, I was like, man, I need to go and because I know I know uh, with social media examiner they change, but I'm like, I don't know for my own account. I need to go back and see if that works. So, right, it, and you can do it anecdotally, right? Like if you notice certain times don't seem to be performing or certain days don't seem to be performing, but to do it accurately and to be to be certain that you're making the right moves you really kind of need a ton of data mm -hmm. um, to look at trends over time in the audience and you know that's hard for any one account to do on their own most accounts you know just don't have that much data um it's not the worst thing if you you know if you just go on gut instinct right like, it's not right. like you're going to tank your performance right um but you know we, we could probably help cool. or be right. more helpful very cool. Well, here's and I and I I saw I I asked this question because you know is there a best time of day to pin? I know it varies by industry, but I keep seeing these infographics going out that has the best time of day to pin for <laughs> Pinterest. And I'm like, well, that's different from my social media examiner account than my own account. So I know that that's probably not really really accurate. But do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah. So I mean, the first thing I'd point out is probably all those infographics disagree with each other. <laughs> um, and so, you know, like, I think it's probably, it's probably effective content marketing for, for those specific people <laughs> or those brands, um, and, you know, more power to them, but, you know, there's a reason we haven't put out 
an infographic like that. And it's because we are very careful not to overgeneralize in how we use data. Um, and the truth is the answer is going to be different for everyone and the answer is going to change over time. It's going to change as Pinterest's product changes. It's going to change as the international audience grows or is treated differently through localization. I mean, so there's, there are a lot of factors that impact it. So, yeah, I mean, in general, I would take those things with a grain of salt um, unless you really, really trust the source and they present their methodology and you look at it and say, wow, this is a really thorough, well thought out methodology. Very cool. I have a friend who used to say when he'd see those graphics, every time he sees one of those best time to post it's infographics, a unicorn dies. So uh, <laughs> I always remember that. Um, so, you know, now big news is promoter pins have rolled out to all new all businesses. So why should marketers consider adding them to their their kind of their paid ads arsenal? Yeah, I think um, because they perform. <laughs> is is sort of the short answer. Um, and of course, you know, every marketer has to test and figure out how to make them performant for themselves. Um, but, you know, if Pinterest is a... It, it, promoted pins and organic pins are almost identical, right? Like, it's the same in, in many, many regards um, as long as Pinterest is doing a good job of showing you relevant promoted pins, not just promoted pins, which I think they actually are doing a pretty good job of. Um, and, and they'll keep getting better over time. Um, so if the, if the organic traffic is good, why wouldn't you want more? Right. As long as the price you pay for it is affordable, mm -hmm. right? So the other, you know, um, important caveat there is you need to know how you're going to monetize the traffic that you're now paying for, right? Because that's real budget. Um, and, you know, there are all different strategies around how to do that. If you sell products, it's a little bit easier to justify and to track. If you are a content marketer, primarily as your business, it can be harder. Right. Um, and, you know, I can speak from experience, you know, even in very, very large media companies where they often have audience development groups that think about how to optimally spend their ad budget um, in order to grow audience as well as organic growth. Um, it's a really difficult problem, right? So, so make sure you understand why you're doing it. You have a strategy that you're promoting the right content that's going to achieve that strategy um, or creating that content if you're not creating it yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, we've seen firsthand promoted pins can be really powerful. Very cool. Are there any pr best practices that you would like share with somebody that for promoted pins, what to do? Yeah. So one thing I would call out, so referencing the calendar link that was above, mm -hmm. um, seasonality can be a really powerful reason to use promoted pins, right? So um, if you've been around Pinterest for a while, you know that typically for a lot of holidays, you have to pin anywhere from like one to three months in right. advance right. of the holiday for your content to actually surface to users at the right time when, when they're consuming most of the content. Um, and that calendar will call out you know, what to pin organically. It also shows you what to promote at different times of year. Because, you know, if it's uh, Black Friday and your brand has really dragged in terms of getting content out there that's going to support your Black Friday strategy, promoted pins are a nice way to get in front of a larger audience a lot faster and not cool. miss the holiday, right? Um, so, you know, that's one strategy. Um, 
The second is I would test, 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 test. Um, I would test engagement versus traffic campaigns. I would test keywords. I would test bid prices, maybe geography, depending on, or language, depending on your specific business situation. Um, there's a lot of optimization that can happen through testing. Most likely your first campaigns are going to be highly suboptimal, but if you keep testing and you keep defining um, exactly what your goal is and which content accomplishes it, you're going to improve performance massively um, with, with some effort. Um, the last thing I'd point out there is if, so we've noticed this even in our own campaigns, if a pin starts performing really well as a promoted pin, you don't necessarily want to turn it off, but it can drown out other pins in the same campaign. Mm -hmm. So if you sometimes if you want to test new content or you want to try to get other content going with different keywords and so forth, you might want to create additional campaigns in parallel and divide up your budget. Uh, accordingly, so that you can at least get faster feedback on that other content, right? Because, um, you know, we have some pins that perform exceptionally well. And if we just dumped everything into one campaign forever, those still might be our top performing campaigns a year from now, right? Gotcha. Um, just because they're, they're, they're so strong. Gotcha. Wow, that's good advice. I'm gonna have to try that out with my next uh, <laughs> my next campaign. So, okay, I wanted to have time, and we're kind of getting towards the end. But I wanted to uh, talk to you a little bit about there's some been some cool changes on Tailwind. So, Publisher 2.0 just rolled out. So, can you kind of give me a overview of the improvements? Because I probably even missed them, even though I'm using it. <laughs> Yeah, so the way I would think about Publisher 2.0, it's less of a one-time launch than, say, you know, when roads were built and that made cars more useful, right? So it's it's more of like an infrastructure-based improvement that's going to enable a whole new generation of features for our publisher product. So some of the early ones, we've already pushed the ability to have different types of interval pins, which gives you more flexibility. For example, maybe you want it to use your optimal time slots. Maybe you want to add new time slots to get content in before a certain deadline. Um, so you have more flexibility there now. Um, it enabled our mobile app. Uh, so we released our iOS app recently, which now lets you schedule and edit pins on the go. You can also schedule directly from the Pinterest iOS app on iPhone or iPad, um, which is really powerful. Um, it also came with improved content recommendations. So we're seeing uh, somewhere between three and four times the positive response rate to our content recommendations than we were seeing previously. Um, but, you know, coming up, there's a ton of other stuff <laughs> that it's going to enable and make easier. So um, improved data-driven recommendations, um, rule-based publishing, which is something we've had a lot of requests for, um, multi-channel publishing. I mean, th there's a lot that Publisher 2.0 cool. is going yeah, to enable us to roll stuff. out this uh, year. It's, it's been uh, really helpful. Just the, the little bit that I've played with it, because I'm always nervous and I don't want to break anything because Pinterest is working. So... <laughs> um, so what can you, um, I know you have something that's mm -hmm. super secret that you're in the early stages of development. And that's very, very cool. So can you give us a little teaser about what that is? Yeah, I know. It has. Yeah, I'll give you a hat tip. You know, because that's you've right. seen it. <laughs> Jeff has, has super secret access. Um, you know, a, a very small audience has seen it so far. That's where we're getting feedback and improving it. But, you know, what it's generally about is, you know, we've seen <clears throat> a couple of pain points that, 
touch a lot of people, especially coming back to the idea of 34 million marketers in the world and two thirds of them are new, right? Um, so a lot of people have difficulty learning how to create or find good content. Um, and then a second pain point is a lot of people have difficulty finding other marketers like them or trying to address similar audiences to collaborate with and to learn and grow faster together. Um, so the product really focuses on solving both of those use cases simultaneously. Um, and it's really about removing pain points from things people do today, right? So for instance, some people use Facebook groups to solve those types of use cases, but it's really annoying to click through a ton of replies and have to go link by link by link right. by link to look at people's pins. Um, people use spreadsheets to communicate with each other and plan, and, and those can be a monster to maintain. So we want to make it a lot easier. People use email for ad hoc collaboration. Um, so you know, it's generally a collaboration toolkit um, that's going to empower marketers of all sizes, right? Because if you're in a huge company, have a team you're working with, if you're solo or you're on a small team, collaborating with other people in other organizations can be like yeah. massively And empowered. it's very, very cool. And I mean, frankly, all, yeah, all the best social marketers do it already, frankly, right? Like they, they just you know, do it in yeah. ways that can be really tedious to manage. It's not necessarily yeah, it's going to be very, strategy. very cool. So I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited. And thanks for uh, teasing that. Um, what, uh, Mar awesome. Martin has a question. Sure. Um, he wants to know your opinion on the new rich pins called the how to pins. So what do you, what he wants to know your impact on engagement and driving traffic to your website. He thinks will increase enormously. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, in general, I think rich pins have been a positive thing. There's always the debate of, if all the value is there, you know, how do you drive clickbacks, uh, clicks back and how do you monetize? <clears throat> and, you know, frankly, I think that's actually an issue Pinterest is aware of. Um, and, and I think that they might, I mean, I hope that they'll have some, you know, solutions for it down the road as well. But, you know, if you look at the most innovative publishers in the world, they go where the audience is and they try to do the best job possible satisfying each audience on each platform. I don't think that's any different on yeah. Pinterest or with Facebook instant articles, right? Because over the long term, you know, in such a competitive content market, you kind of have to evolve or your audience is going to go elsewhere, right? Just because they won't see as much of your content in the first place, right? So I would always err on the side of giving the user a better experience and then figure out the tips and tricks over time of how to also optimize your revenue stream and your traffic, um, as long as it's right. in a way that's very, still very good, good for point. the user. Very good point. Um, there's some some really crazy Pinterest changes coming out, and there's there's a, two I want to talk about uh, that's, that I just actually read about today. And one is the repin counts. And supposedly, Pinterest now counts repins and likes on a piece of content throughout all of Pinterest instead of just showing the counts for a specific pin. So what does that mean for pinners? I mean, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. What do you think? <laughs> so first, I, I understand why it's really disconcerting because it is a change and, and changes, you know, it takes time to understand and adapt to. Um, again, I actually think this is a really positive change. So first and foremost, I will say, you know, you can still get your individual pin stats if you want to see how individual pins are performing, I mean, it's, it, it Tailwind offers that, including on our you know free trial and entry level plan. So like you don't have to spend a ton of money to see that. Um, so th that information's still available if that's really important to your strategy. But you know the the 
way that I think about this is what does the end user, the consumer user see when they're consuming content or, or seeing products, right? And I've seen enough studies over time that claim that content that is more popular already is also more likely to be shared because it's more popular, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me, one immediate effect here is all of your content is going to look more popular instantly, right? Because it's not just the number of repins on one individual pin, it's going to be across the board. So it's going to give people a better benchmark as to how good this piece of content it really is. You don't need just one piece of content to go viral, you know, like that's going to benefit all your other pieces of content. Um, so I think that's actually a, a positive change. Um, Again, from the perspective of growing the pie and growing the total value that Pinterest delivers. So is it your is it URL um, based? Is that how it's working? The, is it, is it yeah. I mean, is it taking like if I have an article and a, it, somebody creates a pin and there's another pin, are they how does that I mean, how is it working? I'm still kind of confused on how that's gonna work. Yeah, so it's actually based on the pairing okay. of the URL and the image. So if an image lives on multiple URLs on your website, they won't be aggregated. Gotcha together Th those will each be treated differently um the other key thing there is if your url changes it won't be aggregated which you know now if everyone else's content is looking more popular and because of url changes yours isn't that's mm. probably going to have a pretty negative effect right so i would be wary i mean i know that there are some services out there that offer posting and publishing and scheduling and things like that that actually change the URL on your pin for for their own purposes. Yeah, be bad. <clears throat> don't do it, right? Like that's that's gonna break. Yeah, that could potentially break this association, right? Um, so you know that's one thing to look out for. The second thing that I'm curious about and honestly haven't tested yet is how appending things like UTM codes and referral links and you know things like that will impact the situation. I mean, in general, referral links and affiliate links haven't been you know the, the greatest um, use case for Pinterest and, and it's not really encouraged. Um, but UTM codes is an interesting one. I would imagine Pinterest will find a way to ignore UTM codes because yeah, we use, it's we such use a like universal crazy tool. Crazy at social media, um, I mean, everything has UTM codes, so. Yeah, but uh, but I honestly haven't uh, confirmed that yet, and it, it, I mean it could probably be done with sure. some simple testing on your own account. But, now is that you know, rolling I, out I slowly or is it already issue. rolled out? Okay, um, it's rolled out for me. I don't. <laughs> I, I've got it on my account. Um, I, I honestly don't know if it's fully rolled out or rolled How out. How can in you all tell? Is there a way? Or, is there or not? way that you'll go? Oh, um, for sure, that's. Yeah, it, it, the, if you click through to a pin, um, it actually looks okay. quite different than it did before. Um, so it shows you the total number of pinners who have engaged with that pin. So it, it looks different visually. And if you click on that, you'll actually then see a modal that shows you uh, in reverse chronological order who's engaged with the pin. So, you know, Jeff just repinned this pin to a board. Melissa just, you know, like this pin. Um, Martin just like this pin, you know, so like you can actually see the feed. So if you're seeing that on your account, you've already got it. Okay. Uh, it's definitely desktop. Um, 
I'm trying to think if I've personally seen it on mobile, and I, I don't know if I have, but I'm sure someone cool. who's listening knows well, the that. The other thing is, is this, and <laughs> I was talking with Elisa a little bit earlier today, and the universal pin descriptions. And this is the, what the pins are supposed to now have descriptions that are created automatically from a variety of sources, rather being limited to a personal note from the original pinner. I still, I don't know, I haven't had enough coffee yet, but I still can't get my mind around what that exactly means. Do you have a handle on that? <laughs> Yeah, so my interpretation of that is it gives Pinterest a lot of control to be able to improve the user experience. So, I mean, all of us have seen pins that have garbage descriptions of some type, right? right? Like it's an X or it's blank or, you know, it has a smiley face or whatever. I mean, maybe <laughs> smiley face is useful. I don't know. Um, in some in some cases. Um, but... It, it gives Pinterest the power to be able to say when this pin would have showed in someone uh, shown in someone's smart feed, instead of showing a low quality description or no description, we kind of reserve the right to show a high quality description. Um, I think that's the primary use case and, and the primary benefit of it. Um, it, I mean, Pinterest has a brilliant data science team um, and, and, you know, they're, they're super sharp. So, you know, I, I think it also puts a very high uh, onus on them to make sure that they do that in a very high quality way, right? Like they do a good job of identifying great descriptions and useful descriptions, which, you know, they have the data to do. Um, so, you know, it's, it's definitely an interesting product development. And uh, I don't think it's something any other platform I know of right. has done. Um, so I think it, it could be kind of, uh, you know, it, it could, it could be interesting to even see if other platforms somehow mimic that capability. Yeah. Well, it's a good, uh, Renee says, uh, Jeff C. Daniel Pomona, you guys have just blown my mind. I'll catch the rest on replay. So our work is done. <laughs> We've blown somebody's mind, but, uh, Danny, I'm so thankful that you were here today to explain some of this stuff for us. Um, where can we find out about you and Tailwind and all your services that you guys provide? Sure. So we're at Tailwind app app.com um we're on instagram pinterest twitter facebook find us wherever um yeah melissa's adding the handles cool. there um so uh yeah we're in all the all the usual places um shoot us an email at help at tailwindapp.com anytime i'm danny at tailwindapp.com um but yeah we, we try to be super accessible so yeah and that just let us know if we can help yeah, I'm I uh, I'm a big supporter and fan of Tailwind and th their customer service is awesome as always. So, but thanks, Danny, for being here. And um, as for always, I'd love for you guys to go to manlypitcherships.com, uh, click on the sidebar, subscribe to our email community, where you'll never miss a great uh, guest like we had with Danny today. Thanks for watching, everybody. See you next time. Thank you for joining Jeff on his mission to help you be successful in the Pinterest world. Would you like to take part in a live show? Be sure to join Jeff's email community at manlypinteresttips.com. Adding testosterone. One pin at a time.